Here's what's coming up on today's show. For the last 30 years, you've been having to save on your own because Social Security is going to represent a smaller part of your overall income. Pensions for most don't exist. And then now you're going to have to live off your savings for the rest of your life. So that's one thing that has dramatically changed in the last 30 years. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. It's the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to talk about why retirement planning uh, ain't what it used to be. We'll go with some proper English there, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll jump into uh, some topics and take an email question. Same things we usually do here on the show. And as always, if you hear something that sparks your interest, make sure you're checking with a qualified professional like Michael before you take any action on something you hear on our podcast or any other as it's going to uh, how it's going to relate to your specific scenario. And you can find all that information at crystallaketax.com. It's crystallaketax.com. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? It is June. It is beautiful. It is summer. So things are going well. Yeah. Uh, not so much in the uh, in the mortgage side of things, right? So uh, what was this headline I was going to ask you about? Mortgage demand is at the lowest levels in uh, 22 years. Rates are ticking up. So I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, the, you've seen kind of this you know, whirlwind of things going on in the, on the mortgage side is that, you know, rates are as low as they had been. You know, this just a recent CNBC article that rates are as low as they've been since the year 2000. That's, mm-hmm. that's how kind of bad, even worse than the financial crisis and all that. And a big part of that is, one, you know, not only inflation and things going up, but you also got the Fed aggressively raising interest rates. And right. then that actually slows home sales. And the, and the reason why is people are like, well, why would that really matter? It's you think if you go back about nine months ago, you could get a 30-year mortgage for under 3%. And then now, right now, just as of the week we're recording this, a 30-year mortgage has increased to 5.4%. Yeah. So that, you know, five now 5.4 for you and I, you know, so you know, pe- people bumping 50s here, it's you're like, well, that's still cheap. You know, it's still not bad, right? Yeah, exactly. Except for when you look as, you know, had you bought a five hundred thousand dollar home six, nine months ago at call it three percent, you're only paying fifteen thousand in interest. Now at over five percent. Now you're paying twenty five, twenty eight thousand dollars in interest. Now you can't afford that home anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's putting pressure on. It's going to start slowing home sales. Even you know applications for mortgages fell by seven percent, but twenty one percent lower than than a year ago. Refinancing people taking equity out of their home was down seventy five percent year over year. So what you're going to start seeing is not a real estate crash, but you're going to see some of these these huge gains in home prices that we've seen throughout the country over the last two years are going to start pulling back in just because demand's going to come down so that the sellers don't quite have the same pricing power that they used to. Yeah. And it's been, let's be honest, I mean, it's been pretty crazy, right? I mean, people, you couldn't, if you listed a house for a price, you weren't probably going to get it. It was turned into a bidding war. Just about everybody I talked to was like, yeah, we tried to buy a new place and we had to get into a bidding war every time, right? Because it was just, just super inflated. So, yeah, think, exactly. Yeah. So, what, yeah, what happens is, yeah, the bidding works. It's so many just cash buyers because they could sell their home at a high amount. So now right. their cash buyers going to buy, you know, and they could pay more for another home. Yeah, exactly. So, not surprising. Uh, probably needed a little bit, but yeah, we're definitely seeing that demand slow down. And so, uh, we're going to see a lot more. There's just a lot happening out there, which is why we're talking about our, our conversation today, which is, you know, retirement planning is not exactly the way it used to be, clearly. And, and that you could even make that, 
conversation might just even 10 years ago, right? Like so you might hear this title and think, well, you know, I'm going to say something about our grandparents or whatever. And that's true as well. And we will talk about, you know, past generations, but heck it's changed dramatically in just the last 10 years or 12 years, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Dr- dramatically. Yeah, there's, there's been huge changes in there. You know, you're coming off of what's the second longest bull market in history. You're, what, you're is it the second? I thought it was the first for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you had the eighty-two to two thousand kind of ah, bull run. Yes, you know? okay. Yeah, that, that that's the number one. But yeah, this was the most dramatic as far as how quickly it went up. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, very interesting. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. But obviously, and we get lulled to sleep. We've talked about that. We get very complacent as people. So we kind of there's. I mean, there's many folks out there that have know nothing but the upside. Right? It's been twelve years. I'm like, woohoo! It does this forever. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's talk about some things. Obviously, you know, first place we can jump into is the. Uh, is the conversation around pensions and Social Security, uh, you know, being that uh, generated retirement income that's outside of something that you've saved for yourself. And, and pensions, if you're still lucky, you know, government jobs, they're still out there. There's a few companies, but obviously they're just incredibly low just compared to what they were even 20 years ago. No, no, it is. And if you think about it, this is the first generation, we call them the 401k generation, you know, those individuals that have been retiring, say the last five or 10 years, and definitely over the next 10 years or so, this is the first generation that is really retiring where it's been reliant 100% on them, because pensions are so rare, that it's been your savings once 401ks came up in the late 80s, early 90s, that for the last 30 years, you've been having to save on your own, because Social Security is going to represent a smaller part of your overall income pensions for most don't exist. And then now you're going to have to live off your savings for the rest of your life. So that's one thing that has dramatically changed in the last 30 years. Yeah. If you think about what we used to have for our, our grandparents or parents, even, I mean, you, you and I are, we're in our fifties or are you 50 yet? You're almost 50, I think, right? Almost 50. Almost 50. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, you know, you had like the three, you know, the, the quote unquote milking stool, right? So you had three legs of a stool, you had pension, social security, and maybe a small amount of savings and you're in pretty good darn shape, right? Uh, for our for our parents and grandparents, but now obviously that that onus has changed a lot more to ourselves, so makes a big difference, and that's why it's a little more difficult. Your job is more difficult because you're working with people and you're having to kind of look at all these different windows and puzzle pieces and kind of massage all these different things together. So that's why it's not uh, not quite what it used to be. All right, number two, life expectancies. This well, this is just the great multiplier of everything because now not only do we not have pensions, we have to self fund for longer. Exactly. So in 1940, when Ida Mae Fuller, that's the lady that got the first Social Security check that came out there, she was 65 years of age. And if you recall, Social Security used to be you got it at 65. There was no 62, 67, 70, all these other moving parts. It was just, hey, at 65, you get Social Security. In 1940, Ida Mae Fuller got the first Social Security check and she was 65. Now, why did the government say 65? They said 65 because life expectancy was 65. If you were fortunate enough to live to 65, you know, back in the 40s, then the thing was, you probably weren't going to get many checks thereafter. You know, not a lot of people weren't going well into their 70s, 80s, 90s and that. But, you know, kind of flash forward to today. And now if you're a married couple at 65, there's over an 80 percent chance that one of you is going to live past 90. So when you figure that now is, you know, even if you retire at 65 today, one or both of you are going to be collecting social security checks for 20, 25 plus years. And not only was the system not designed for that, but on the other side of it, you've got a situation where the average life expectancy today for men is about 84, women's about 85. 
So now that money's got to last you and those checks and everything have to go. So your savings have to last you a lot longer. The pensions, you know, that guaranteed source of income from your past position isn't there. And social security is going to be a lower part of it as time goes by, just because inflation is going to eat away at all that. Yeah. You know, and we've, we've done things like the, um, you know, moving the, the 70 and a half to 72, they're talking about moving that to 75, right, for the distributions and whatnot. It's, yet we're still leaving Social Security the way that it is. And that's one of the conversations that, and unfortunately, there's got to be a politician somewhere who's willing to run the risk of not getting reelected by saying, hey, I think we should move these numbers back because our life expectancy is longer. And that would go a long way to fixing our issues. But again, it's a big political poker chip. So therefore, everyone just kind of stays hands off. So. Uh, it's affecting us in that way. Hopefully something will get done, but that's kind of where we're at on that. So life expectancies, you got to self-fund for longer. So you've got to make sure that you're planning appropriately to get all those years that you're going to possibly need in there. We touched on it to kind of kick things off here, Mike. Interest rates are lower, uh, or excuse me, interest rates were lower, I should say. So you weren't making any money in these, but I actually saw a CD the other day, a rate for a CD at like 4%. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's that's a rarity, you know. And I mean, you just mentioned four percent. And when it talks about interest rates, even with the Fed aggressively raising interest rates early here in 2022 and expected throughout, you know, not only the summer but the rest of the year, you know, you mentioned four uh, percent. The the Fed is just trying to get up to around three percent, you know, because they're right now they're still so far behind the curve. But four percent in the financial planning world, a lot of people hear what's called a four percent rule, and a four percent rule is. That you know, there was a guy, a financial advisor, Bill Bangan, came out in the early '90s, and he said, "Hey, you know, you can safely withdraw about four percent from your portfolio based on history, and you know, running at all these thirty-year timelines." And you know, that became kind of the gold standard, and that was the first time that in the industry. And think about this: going back to you know, pensions no longer being coming around in, anymore, is that this is the first time in history people had to start pulling money out of their own savings, out of their own retirement accounts to sustain them for the rest of their life. So mm-hmm. we came up with what's called the 4% rule. And that was good at the time. But at that time in the 90s, when he came up with this, the stock market, because of all the tech bubble and everything else, was up you know, double digits every year. And even treasuries back then were at 7%. So to say, oh, you could safely take 4% out if the market's down, well, sure, because your fixed income in a 60-40 portfolio was generating 7% return and just in treasuries alone. Now today, with still historically low interest rates, you know, well below that seven percent, you know, even four percent. You got fixed rates paying you somewhere between two and three percent. The stock market, as we've seen this year, is down double digits. So, with all of those things in place, that four percent rule doesn't apply anymore. So, historically low interest rates—that's just another drag in why retirement planning is different. Yeah, great points for sure. And there's obviously a lot of changing, and it's constantly moving, as we've been talking about here. Um, and and now we have, well, not now, it's been a while, but we have all this information at our fingertips, which also really, I think, gets just kind of counterproductive because at any given second, something's changing, right? So, And we can constantly look at this stuff. We're getting instant feedback all the time, and it causes you to go, well, I need to move now. Oh, wait, yes, now, no, wait. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's two things on that. You know, one of it, it's for some, it's paralysis by analysis, right? They're just so overwhelmed that there's so much information out there. They don't know what to believe because like we always talk about, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole on any topic, especially, you know, political or financial or otherwise. And if you search long enough, you'll find, you know, something agreeing with you, whether it's truly right or wrong. But what happens is many times people are like, oh, is this good or bad? Is this the time to buy or sell? Is this, you know, this? they start Googling on and going down there because they have so much access to information. 
that they get overwhelmed by all the information and one thing says do one thing another says do something different so they do nothing you know and that's not always bad to do nothing because you know idle hands can be a problem sometimes for people that they they just feel like they need to do something you know and we always go back to like their plan and say okay what does your plan say you need to do you know what's the goals are we trying to reduce our taxes are we trying to generate income we can't outlive or are we trying to protect you know our assets from nursing home spend down we got our estate plan in place those are goals those are things you act towards Markets being up or down, if you're properly allocated, doesn't matter what that information is out there. Basically, you should be staying in line with what your plan says. Yeah. Well, you know, all of this stuff goes, uh, you know, kind of plays together, as we often talk about here on the podcast, all these things interweave and work together. And obviously, the final bit, we, you know, is the market. We've kind of danced all around it a little bit. At the time we're taping this, it was first up this morning, then it immediately went right back down. To my point about yes, no, jump in, win it out. You know, you just can't figure things out because it's constantly moving. But the volatility, does it feel more pronounced with each year? I think that even goes back to more so with the average you know, amount of information that people have. Yeah, you go back 20, 30 years ago, it's like, you know, you'd have to wait till tomorrow's paper or the evening news to find out kind of what happened. You know, and now you get notifications on your phone vibrating in your pocket that your stock moved one penny. You know, and, and I think that, you know, in a typical JP Morgan just came out with their asset management uh, thing that they put out on a quarterly basis. And, you know, it basically said that, you know, historically, you're going to have an 8% drawdown at a minimum every year. And every three years, you're going to have on average a 14.7% drawdown. You know, And this isn't even bear market territory and these kind of things. It's just saying it's a typical year, you're going to have 18 to 8 to 14% drawdowns, even in the years that, the, that it finishes up 10, 15, 20%. So volatility is just the price you pay short-term for long-term returns. It doesn't feel good. And that doesn't mean you take risk just because of that. It means you take the risk you need to to achieve your goals and you have a plan in place. So then that way, when we go through bouts of volatility like we have here. So I think, you know, year to year to date and here in 2022, as we're recording this, S&P 500 is down almost 15 percent. The Nasdaq's down almost 25 percent. Bonds are down about 8 percent. So there's no place, no safe place to hide. But that doesn't mean you make changes to your portfolio unless you were over your skis with too much risk to begin with. You know, and I think that's how you put volatility in perspective is you accept it because you also get all the longer term upside if you're appropriately allocated. But what you're going to be mindful of is don't take risk just for the sake of risk. And then that way, when your portfolio is down a little bit because, you know, the market's down 15, but you're down seven or eight. Okay, well, you understand that on a risk adjusted basis, you're not taking too much risk because maybe next year you're going to be up double digits, you know, just because you're allocated the way you need to. Well, that's the bulk of the podcast this week here when we're talking about retirement planning. Clearly, it's not what it used to be. And that's why you've definitely, you know, you need to have that coach, you need to have that strategy going on, working through some of these things, uh, a blueprint, right? That's the why we call the show what we call it. So if you got some questions, reach out again to Mike at the website, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And we're going to take an email question to wrap up as we usually do from Marty in Mundelein. And he says, uh, Mike, I keep talking myself in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> see where this is going. I've been out of the market for several years and I missed out on quite a bit of growth. I don't want to jump back in now because it's not looking too good. So I also don't want to stay on the sidelines and miss out on more growth. What's the right answer? So I'm wondering if he's one of these, um, the pandemic people that jumped out. He says a couple of years that would kind of fit right in there where he jumped out maybe in the, the down, the quick downturn and then got scared. Yeah. And we, we, Marty, we've seen this and, you know, especially over the last 12 or 13 years, you know, we've had individuals come in and, you know, a quote and one of them gave it to us. So, you know, I use it all the time is 
I met with a gentleman that, you know, in 2008, 2009, when the market crashed 50%, he was 50. He's like, okay, I can't, I, you know, I'm 10 years away from retirement. I can't let this go any worse. And he'd lost a huge chunk, you know, almost half of his, of his uh, life savings there. And he's like, I can't afford to lose more than this. So he sold out. It's like, okay, and the next crash, you know, when it keeps going lower, then I'm going to get back in. And he said, you know what I was, Mike? I was a bear in a bull market because for the next 12 years, pretty much the market practically went straight up like a hockey stick. And he's been sitting in cash in a near 0% interest rate environment, basically, you know, missing out on all the gains. And then he's coming to see me being like, okay, when should I get back in? When should I get back in? And then we've had others just like you alluded to that where they've come in and, you know, in March, in March, 2020, in three weeks, and the S&P 500 is down almost 35%. And they went to cash and, you know, worried that it might go down 50, but instead it just went up hundred percent plus, you know, from then until the, until the recent weakness that we had. So, you know, a bear in a bull market. So what you have to do is, you know, you can't be partially pregnant on these kind of things. And then that's where you can't say, do I get in? Do I get out? Because you've got to be right three different times, right when you get in, right when you get out and right when you get back in, you know, and it's just statistically, it's not going to work in your favor. So what you need to do is actually what we talk about every time on the podcast is you need to get a plan together and say, okay, I know why I'm invested the way I am. I know how much risk I am taking or I'm not taking. I'm doing it in the most tax efficient way that I possibly can. So when it's a bull market and you call me and you say, hey, Mike, I want to take more risk. And I point to your plan and says, your plan doesn't tell you to take more risk. You're fine. You're achieving all the goals and hopes and dreams that you want. Or we go through bouts of volatility right now. And I say, you know what? Yeah, maybe down a little bit in value. We're down a lot less than the market. You're going to be fine because you can still achieve all your hopes, your goals, your dreams you want. So Marty, that's the key. It's not about when do you get in, when do you get out. Put that plan together. It's going to determine how much you should or shouldn't have in the market, what you should be getting for interest rates on your safe money, and let that plan dictate all the decisions you make going forward because then that can let you sleep at night. There you go. And that's what we're all after is being able to sleep at night for sure. So that's the podcast this week. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, if you uh, have those questions, like I said, just please reach out to a qualified professional before you take any action. And of course, you can find all that information at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever platform you like to use. That way you catch new episodes as well as can check out past episodes. And we'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Mike, thanks for hanging out, man. Good talking to you, Mark. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.